18 Dafyudala de Madalif, when to lie in business. Consider the situation. You've, you're negotiating for a piece of property. It's, they're asking a million dollars for the property. You're willing to, uh, you're willing to pay 900,000. That's, that's your limit. You believe, having done your homework, the buyer would be very happy with 800,000. So he's asking a million. He'd be happy with 800,000. You're willing to go up to 900,000. So you put in a bid at what, Ricky? Well, would you put in a bid in that scenario? 700,000. Put in a bid at 700,000. They negotiate and negotiate. Eventually, he gets you up to 800,000. And then he says to you, Look, we're both B'nai Torah, we're honest people. Just tell me one thing, yes or no, and then we'll do the deal. Is this your best offer? Are you willing to go any higher, or is this it? What do you do? The truth is, no, I'm actually willing to go another 100,000 higher. But that messes up your strategy. You're going to lose $100,000 by telling the truth. What do you have to do? That's the case. That's the case of the uh, that, that we're going to learn. And that's something that applies in business every single day. Says the Gemara. Rav Sheshes Havale Ashrasod the Sarbali b'Mechoyza. Rav Sheshes had sold some coats. If you look at Rashi, he says Sarbali is a coat. It's one of the few cases where we can understand the French word that Rashi gives us. Um, so he had sold some coats in Mechoyza, and they owed him money. There's, there was some trade finance involved, and they owed him money for the coats. Yosef said to Rav Yosef you're going to Mechoza, won't you do me a favor, go and see the, my customers and claim the money they owe me and bring it back to me. Ozali went, and they gave him the money. Amrile, but they said to him, having given, them the money, given him the money, Nikni Minach, do a Kenyan with us, as Rashi explains, that Unsa Ulcha. If something happens on the way and you're robbed and you lose the money, don't come back and claim from us. We now are done. We've paid you the money and, and our responsibility is complete. in. Sure. But he made a, they, they said this to him just before davening on Shachris and he said, I'm just busy putting on my tefillin. He put on his tefillin and he skipped out of shul just before the last Kaddish. And they couldn't get hold of him, so he didn't do the Kenyan. Kiata Legabe Omale, when he came to Rav Sheshis, he told him the story, and he says, You did correctly, that you didn't allow yourself to become enslaved as a, as a, as a debtor to these people. You, you didn't borrow anything from them. Why should you be responsible to them? If something happened to you on the way, you did the right thing. Another version was, Shapir Avdit Eved Lovelish Malve. You, you, you did right. They are responsible to me. They're an Eved Lovelish Malve. They are responsible to me. You did the right thing. Either way, he praises him for doing the right thing when he seems to have actually skipped out of, uh, uh, out of doing the, what, what he had agreed to do. Says the Agos Yavitz. We've spoken about the Yavitz before Rabbi Yaakov Emden, 17th, 18th century, that wonderful time we spoke about the other day. Um, and Rabbi Yaakov Emden was, uh, took issue with a lot of people. He took issue with Rabbi Yonason Eibeshitz, and he, he took issue with the Ramchal. Uh, and he wrote a very interesting thing. Among, among other things, he was the, the person who believed and wrote that Paul in the New Testament was a Talmud of Raman Gamliel. And that he held that shituf is mutter for, for an, an akum, for a non-Jewish person, is allowed to believe in God and others. 
A Jew is not allowed to. A Jew, there's only, only Hashem. But for a non-Jew, if, as long as you believe in Hashem, the, the superpower of the world, of the universe, and there are other elements to, to divinity, for a Goy, it's okay. So he believed it was, it was good. Rather let the Goyim believe in Christianity and, and have a, an emuna in the Ribbon Shalom and have an ethical kind of a system of law rather than uh, just be wild uh, barbarians as they were at that, at that time. So he encouraged Christianity. As a Talmud of Rabbi Gamliel, that's a shita of, of uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, among other, among other things. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes here, on the side of his Gemara, Nichtav Betzida, Shebechol ki hai gavne lesbe mishum medvah sheker tirchak mishum sheir Yisrael. You'll ask, what about medvah sheker tirchak? You're not supposed to do dishonest things. How, how does this work? Kivan delo mechayiv behu velo yachol latzil miyadam ba'ofen acher. Since he doesn't owe them anything, he's just a shaliach. He's doing a favor for Rav Sheshis. But they won't let him do the favor without this. They're blackmailing him. They're saying, if you want to be mechayim your shlichus, if you want to take the money back as Rav Sheshis asked you to do, then I require you to make this undertaking. So he's blackmailing them. They're blackmailing him. Im lo yavtichem al sheker. So his only way to protect himself from blackmail is to, to be dishonest. And he adds, Rabbi Yaakov Emden adds, Mishum Deloshan Ein also he says the word in, in Aramaic, in means yes. In Hebrew, Ein means no. So he used a word which had two meanings. When they said, will you, will you guarantee it? Will you be responsible? He said in. And in his mind, I'm saying in meaning no. In their mind, they heard in meaning yes. And that, of course, is also difficult. Surely what, what governs your, your honesty is how other people understand you, not whether you had some kind of uh, tricky intention. That, that very, very difficult. So let's understand this. There are three circumstances in which Tamidir Chachomim can change their words, in other words, say something dishonest. Masechet explains Rashi is if a person asks you how much you learn, you can say less than you read. How much you know, you can say less. You don't have to be honest about exactly how much you know. And in Bapuria, if they ask you about your intimate relationships with your wife, you don't have to answer. You can tell a lie. It's none of their business. And Bushpiza, if they ask you about, did you have, do you know somebody in... Uh, in Rainana, who's a really good host that I can come to of Shabbos where they'll treat me well and, they, and, the, and the, the woman is a really good cook and, uh, and they've got comfortable beds and there are not too many children making too much noise, uh, you don't have to tell them who, who it is or, or what because it just creates an imposition on somebody else. So in that situation, you can say, yeah, I stayed at so-and-so, but I don't know if I would recommend it. You can actually say that. The one we want to focus on is Puria. When somebody asks you a question that they have no right to the answer. That's a situation. We talked, we learned in the last Matmonium about how to ask the right questions. But sometimes there are absolutely the wrong questions which you're not supposed to be asking. Everybody is entitled to a veil of privacy. And if somebody through a probing, questioning, wants to pierce your your veil of, of privacy... You don't have to be honest about that. You can protect yourself when the only way to protect yourself is by, is by telling a lie. In Yevomus, the Gemara goes further and says, You're allowed to, you're allowed to be dis, dishonest in order to keep the peace. And the Gemara learns that from Yosef, where the brothers say to Yosef, our father made us uh, swear that, that uh, told us that you wouldn't do us any harm. 
uh, although there was never such a conversation. And Rabbi Nelson says it's a mitzvah where there's sholem. You've got to tell the, a, an untruth. And he pr- brings the raya from Shmuel, where Shmuel is told by Hashem to go and anoint David. And he says, what happens if Shaul will hear that? That's what I've done. That says Hashem, is to tell Shaul, you, to take a, a, a goat with you and tell Shaul that you're going to bring a korban. You, you, you don't have to tell him why you're going. That's a lie. I'm not going to bring a korban. I'm going to anoint David. Rabbi Shmuel learns it from, from Hashem and Soro, where Soro says, Va'adunizaken. She laughs when she hears she's going to become pregnant. She says, my husband is an old man. And when Hashem repeats it to Avram, he says, Va'anizakanti. He repeats it inaccurately. And says, Soro said, I'm too old to have a baby. That's not what she said. She said, he's too old. But Hashem changes it. So what do we see? When it's all very well to have values. Everybody's got values. I think I've mentioned here, I did research once about the values of criminals in prisons. And I found they had the same values as the Pope. There's no difference in the values. The difference is when values conflict with one another or when self-interest conflicts with a value. How do you treat the value? How do you live? Everybody wants their children to be honest and upright and, and fair and, and integrous, integrous and so on. All the good things we all want and we all want for ourselves, we want for our children. The question is how do you define those values and what do you do when those values come into conflict with one another? Says the Gemara, when, when MS comes into conflict with Shalom, Shalom wins. You don't tell the truth if it's going to cause machlekes. That's how important shalom is, and that's how important it is to avoid machlekes. Asks Tosfos in, in Bova Metzia, so why, when it lists the three things that you can change, that you can tell a lie for, doesn't it include shalom? Says Tosfos, because they all come under the category of shalom. The, the essence of it all is shalom. That to keep the peace, the, one, can, one can change the, the facts a little bit, one can change the truth in order to keep the, the, the peace. It doesn't mean like the, uh, like the media do, changing the facts not to keep the peace. You can change the facts to keep the, fee, the peace. And, and, and Bapuria, the important one to learn for our purposes is Bapuria. When somebody asks a question they're not entitled to the answer of, and your thoughts are nobody else's business. The problem is, so why can't you just say none of your business? Somebody asks you about your intimate relationship with your wife. Why can't you say that's none of your business? Because when you say that's none of your business, you're answering it. If somebody says, uh, do you beat your wife, and you say, none of your business. If you really don't, you would say, how, how dare you even suggest such a thing? Of course not. If you say, none of your business, you're already defending yourself. There are situations where refusing to answer is a self-accusation. And in such a case, nobody has the right to ask you a question where if you don't answer it, you're actually implicating yourself. So the only way to, to protect yourself is through a lie. That's their problem. They asked a question where that put you in a situation where the only way you could protect yourself is by telling a lie. That's not fair. They, they did wrong there. And it's the same with any of one's thoughts. Nobody is entitled to know what you're thinking. They're entitled to ask you about what you're doing. But nobody is entitled to ask you what your plans are. That's in your own mind. You're entitled to the veil of, of privacy of every person. What do you think of so-and-so? None of your business what I think of so-and-so. And if you don't like so-and-so, you can lie. And say, so I think he's a man, I think he's a nice person. As long as that lie is not going to bring the other person to loss and to damage. But you do, he has no right to ask you, what do you think of? And we're, we're very quick to give opinions as to what do we think? What do you think of the government? What do you think of this law? What do you think? It's none of your business what I think. Why, why does it make a difference to you what I think? Are you asking me a shayla? Is it going to make a difference to you? 
If it doesn't make a difference to you, why are you asking me what I think? What I think is my own is my own business. Um, it was an interesting interview I, I watched the other day of Melanie Phillips talking about why the British people and the world were so impressed with Queen Elizabeth and with the monarchy. And she explains how the idea that nobody ever knew what her opinion was about anything. She stood for something above personal opinion. And nobody knew what a personal opinion, if you would ask her, What's her what, do you, what do you think of such and such, she would never comment. You go through a whole life like that. None of your business what my opinion is. But if somebody does probe you in a way where you have no choice but to protect the privacy of your own thinking by telling a lie, then you tell a lie in order to protect your own privacy. So when somebody says, is this your best offer? That's not a question you're allowed to ask somebody. None of your business if it's my best offer or not. I'm offering 800,000. Do you want it or don't you want it? To ask me what I'm thinking, what my plan is, what my strategy is. You're not privy to my strategy. My strategy is a thought and you don't have a right to ask about my thinking. And where does this come from? It comes from the, the famous Medrash in the beginning of Breshis where Hashem wants to create Odom and Nasu, Malache, Ashores, Kitim, Kitim. The angels got into different groups. Some say he should be created, some say he shouldn't. Chesed and, and MS said he should be created. Uh, sorry, Chesed said he should be created. Emes says he shouldn't because he's, he's a liar. Human beings are going to be dishonest. Tzedek says he should be created. Sholem says he shouldn't. So in order to get a majority, it's now two against two. The Rebbein Shalom casts Sholem out of the system and throws him down to the earth. And the angel says, Rebbein Shalom, you've taken Sholem. Sholem is your most, your, your most sorry, Rebbein Shalom throws Emes out. Truth. And throws it down to the earth. And they say, Emes, Emes is the essence of who you are, Rebbein Shalom. Says the Rebbein Shalom, I want Emes to come from the earth. I don't want to impose fundamentalist Emes, absolute truth. We don't deal with absolute truth. Absolute truth is the Rebbein Shalom. I want the Chachomim to work out the truth according to the situation and circumstances in the world. And there's the, the, the famous Ktsay Sachoshin uh, that I bring at the end, which is so, in, we talked about the Ktsay Sachoshin in our last Mahmonim Shur, but in his Psiche, in his opening, in his Hakdama, in his introduction to the Sefer, he talks about this Medrash and, how, and the importance of us being able to create truth using the Torah as the way we think it through and the conclusions we come to using the Torah. And part of the using the Torah is shalom, is doing it in such a way that it comes to peace, that it doesn't come to machlokes. If your emes leads to machlokes, that's not the emes that the Rebbein Shalom wants. Even if on an absolute sense, the facts are right. You say, but, but it's true. It doesn't matter, but it's true. You've destroyed something. And we're not allowed to be destructive of peace with, with shalom. And even when we're allowed to tell, tell a lie, this comes to the second part of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. We learn from, from Esau when Yaakov says to his father, Yitzchak, Anuchi Esav Bechorecha. I am Esav, your firstborn. Says Rashi, say Chazal, that's a lie. You're not Esav, the firstborn. Says Rashi, Anuchi Amivilecha, Esav Bechorecha. I'm the person bringing you the food. Esav is your Bechor. That's what's in his mind. Asiti, I've done what you've asked me. I often do what you've asked me. So in his mind, he's not telling a lie. The father is being deceived. What is that about? That's the same as Rabbi Yaakov Emden says in our sugya. Because the lotion in, in can be used both ways. This is not to, to be deceitful with your language. This is midvar sheker tirchak. Even when the halacha allows you to lie, and according to Rabbi Nosun in Bova Metzia, it's a mitzvah to tell a lie for the sake of, of, uh, of shalom. Even when you're allowed to tell a lie or it's a mitzvah to tell a lie, do it in such a way that you're conscious of it and you're using words that could be understood 
the right way so that you don't become desensitized to it. That even while you're telling a permissible lie, try to tell it in a way where in your mind it's not dishonest. At least you're not being dishonest to yourself. At least you're being honest to yourself, even though halakhically you're allowed to and in fact obligated to be dishonest to the person to whom, to whom you're speaking. That's the level of the importance of honesty and how far we go. But to understand that there are bigger things even than honesty. For some people, honesty is the absolute, absolute ultimate. Yes, it is. But honesty as defined by the Torah is an honesty that brings to shalom, not an honesty that brings chas to machlokas, dissension and division.